Hey there, Denny. Those sure are some nice binoculars you got there. What you looking at? Oh, hey Josh. There is this crazy ass dog that is causing all sorts of mayhem up on this beach. I don't know, Denny. A dog on the beach doesn't sound that crazy. No, Josh, really. This dog is some sort of diabolical genius. He knows how to hide under blankets, in trash cans, he even dug a hole and hid under a sun hat. Also, he stole some chick's bikini top. I'm kind of hoping he steals some guy's swim shorts next. Ooh, let me see. Here you go. Welcome to Hot Red Shorts, a gay watch of Baywatch. Two gay guys watching Baywatch one episode at a time, more or less at random. I'm Josh. I'm Denny. And today we'll be talking about Baywatch season two, episode eight, Thin or Die. Oh. It's a... It's a heavy episode. And I don't mean that that came out wrong. Well, we're going to move on because... <laughs> it, yes, I, I will say that we anticipated some difficulty with this episode. It wasn't as bad as I thought, but we're going to touch on the egregious portions. Luckily, there's plenty of good as well. And the episode title, it must be a reference to Skate or Die, right? What's Skate or Die? Oh, you sweet child. Okay. <laughs> uh, I believe it came out before NES also, but it was a... But I, I played it on NES. It was a skateboarding game. Skate or die, no? You know what? The only thing that my brain went to was voter die, but that came after that. Apparently you haven't heard of my voter die campaign. Voter die? What the hell does that even mean? What do you think it means, bitch? Anyway, let's get to our episode. This episode aired November 4th, 1991. I'm not going to bother asking where you were. You were probably fetal at that point. It's about six or five-ish. Yeah, so you certainly weren't watching any Baywatch, and uh, I'm not going to bother trying to dredge up any memories of that time. I was only 10 myself, and we were living in Hawaii, but I was catching Baywatch here or there because Billy Warlock couldn't keep me away. So Did we find out that Warlock isn't his actual last name, though? More so, we found out that you were correct in the assumption that his name was not that, and that's how you've gotten your name, Denny Warlock. <laughs> Denny Warlock, I need to keep pushing that. But anyway, November 4th, 1991, we're going to talk about some things that happened around that period of time to ground us, give us some context, and whatever. So first up, some sadder news. Do this a little bit differently. On November 2nd, so two days before this episode aired, Irwin Allen passed away. Are you familiar with Irwin Allen? Unfortunately, no. He died of a heart attack. He was 75 years old. I have loved Irwin Allen my whole life. He is known for disaster movies in particular. So he uh, made The Poseidon Adventure. I was going to say, that's the only older p disaster movie I'm aware of. And The Towering Inferno. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so those. But the TV shows were where he caught me. Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, The Time Tunnel, Land of the Giants, mm -mm. Lost in Space. Yes. I adored Lost in Space as a child. Yes, I remember you uh, tried to introduce me to it a couple times. It isn't for everybody, but it should be. And I'll probably put a clip of Dr. Smith in here, since it is gay watch. You blithering booby. What could possibly be out there in all that nothingness? <laughs> On November 7th, another sad passing, Tom of Finland. The iconic artist of homoeroticism. He died of an emphysema an emphysema induced uh, uh, of a stroke. Age 71. I guess stroke could be make a pun there, but we won't. You familiar with Tom of Finland? I am. Uh, you know, when I was uh, younger and looking at porn, you know, some of those images, those cartoon images came up and uh, they were kind of a turn on a little bit, I'll admit. Whether you know 
Tama Finlan from his name or not, you'd be hard-pressed to be a gay man nowadays, and you've never seen any of his work. It is sort of fetishistic in a way, but it's very muscular, handsome men. Leather scene. Yes, or uh, uniforms, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of... Uh, Police officer. Exactly, sort of bordering into S&M a little bit, not quite going all the way, but uh, yeah, so he passed away. They just uh, recently did a bio uh, biopic of him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was it any good? I haven't seen it. Oh, I know. I, I'll maybe catch it someday, but it just wasn't really on my list to observe. We'll have to check out the trailer and see if there are physical representations of his art in it, because then maybe it's definitely worth watching. Maybe I'm mute. <laughs> now, on November 7th, uh, the same day that Thomas Finland passed away, 1991, Magic Johnson, he announced his retirement from basketball and his HIV-positive status. Good after late afternoon. Um... Because of uh, the HIV virus that I have attained, uh, I will have to retire from the Lakers uh, today. I don't remember it happening then, but I do remember hearing about it in middle school. It was a huge deal. He was basically the first straight person of his level, of his caliber, of his renown, to come out and admit that he was HIV positive. Now, Rock Hudson had passed away a number of years before, and he kept it a secret all the way up until his death, and he was gay. Mm -hmm. Magic Johnson contended, contends to this day that he got it through, through straight sex. He also admits that he was involved in a lot of sex. So, you know. No there, drugs? It could have been drugs. I mean, he he's never he's said that he's never done drugs. None of our business. No. Ever. Just curious. It just that seems more like for straight men to get. It's through like sheer needles and stuff. So who's to say at this point? And thankfully, he's been healthy this whole time. I mean, he's had the resources and stuff. But we've seen that that doesn't always help out. And we'll see that a little more throughout this news. Especially like back then, like it was not a very good prognosis. That considering how it is now, I hadn't entered sex education yet, but I wasn't the most unaware kid. I knew what was going on and I didn't know that I was gay yet. I knew that something about me was different, but I knew to be completely terrified of AIDS. That even just the subject scared the hell out of me in every way. And at this time, they called it a death sentence because a lot of people were still dying, even though there were lots of treatments. It was very different. I think the first time I heard about it was through, I'm pretty sure it was a Captain Planet episode. How about it, coach? Can he play? Hey, what's he doing here? He's not gonna infect my players. Get him out of here! He's got AIDS! There was a Captain Planet episode specifically about AIDS, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was big news. It obviously took 10 to 20 years later than it should have. But speaking of that sort of education, on November 17th, a couple weeks after Magic Johnson announced that he was HIV positive, now, not necessarily in response to this, though, but it was good timing. Fox aired the first condom ad on U.S. television. It was a 15-second ad for Trojan during an episode of Herman's Head. I do not remember that show. Oh, my God. I loved Herman's Head. The premise was is that he's this office worker, and you are privy to his inner thoughts, and those inner thoughts are represented by different characters. Mm. So it was a lot like the Pixar movie Inside Out. Okay, yeah. Yes. So of particular note, completely unrelated to all of this. One of the co-stars was Yardley Smith, who is the voice of Lisa Simpson. Okay. So, great show. Loved it. Herman was very cute. Anyway, the condom ad uh, was only 15 seconds long, and it was accompanied by the line, to help reduce the risk. Okay. So, I tried really hard to find this ad, because 
just about everything's out there, but I couldn't. But I did get a description of it. And it features a close-up shot of a young red, redhead guy who says in voiceover, I'm a nice guy and go out with nice girls. But these days, some pretty terrible things are happening to some really nice people. Then a box of condoms is displayed. And an announcer says, Trojan latex condoms to reduce the risk. So the spot doesn't specifically mention HIV or AIDS. And it obviously doesn't make any reference to any homosexual anything because it was still 1991. But that was a huge step and started opening up the floodgates for people just to even have the conversation. Was there any backlash to that ad? Big time. (laughs) But there was more backlash coming because there was more AIDS-related education happening, particularly in New York City. Major urban areas Mm -hmm. were affected the most for all the reasons that are very clear. And the mayor at the time, I believe it was the mayor, whoever it was, they decided from on high that condoms are going to be distributed and made available to all the high school students within the entire city. Major backlash. I I definitely remember the pushback. I remember it in the news. I remember it a lot because it was a topic of conversation. Should kids know about sex? The same thing that happens today. How much information is too much information versus how much is not enough? It was a step though back then, a small step, but a a necessary step to get us to where we are today. Last bit of bad news, AIDS-related as well, but again, of this time to put us when this episode came out. On November 24th, Freddie Mercury passed away mm. from from pneumonia, resulting from complications of from, yeah. AIDS. Yeah. And all the way up to his death, almost till the day he died, he denied he had AIDS. He was dying. There was no way around it, but he still denied it because there was such a stigma. He, Your whole life could have been ruined through very small things. Hell, people were terrified of being seen as gay Mm -hmm. or even suspected as gay. If people thought you had AIDS, then you were basically a a leper in a lot of ways. It was terrible, and it's the world that we grew up in, but thank God, things are much better now. Thank you, good night. I remember watching this interview, it was like way after the fact, and like they were playing, I guess, the last song Freddie like kind of like recorded like kind of a video mm. and it was a somber song it was basically like he knew he was gonna die he was singing but I don't remember the name of it I'll have to look that up yeah I I can't watch AIDS documentaries or films that are specifically surround their, their plots having to do with AIDS it's it's devastating to me the movie it's my party no you know what I'm talking about of though? course that like I've never ugly cried as much than when I saw that movie. Yeah, it's 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 rough. It's mm. rough, and it's awful to think about and to remember just how many people were lost senselessly. Hopefully, we've learned something as as a as a people. It doesn't really seem likely we've learned that much, but you know, you you have to hope for the best. And if anything, that we can see that when bad things happen, there is a light at some point. You got to get there. But let's change tax. Let's let's try to bring it up a little bit. Let's talk about some music from November of 1991. The number one song on the charts was Prince with Cream, which I had to look up, but as soon as I heard it, I knew it. I, I never really liked Prince. One of my dad's sisters, my aunt, she would go on and on and on in uncomfortable detail about just the things that Prince would make her feel. So that might have hurt my chances for liking him at all. Plus, it was a little too sexy for me at the time. Yeah, I only like, I'm not a Prince fan. I like a couple of his songs, but like, yeah, it was never a thing. I don't get the sex appeal of him at all. Me neither. And I, to be honest, I I haven't met many men that find him attractive. However, I've heard very many women 
basically cream themselves just just thinking about him. And like him and Steven Tyler, like I like Aerosmith, but like my mom and my sister thinks he's like the sexiest man alive. I don't get it. I, you know what? Let's talk about this just for a second because I think it can cross over with some gay stuff. Prince seems gay, you yes. know, like he. But he seems... was also like, you hear interviews like he was homophobic. Oh. So this is this line, you know, that I, uh, 1991 being a very different time than now, but I think it still plays in some ways. Women have attractions to men that are gay. <laughs> you have experienced it, I've experienced it, but also you look at certain manga that happens to be more popular with women. You happen to look at the things that women champion sometimes and hey, good for them, whatever they're saying. Maybe part of it is that these men are comfortable with who they are that they have this confidence that's like, I can wear women's pants, my ass can hang out, I'm still, I'll still fuck you, you know? Whereas another man that maybe was hostile when his sexuality was challenged, that's not sexy. So I can see the confidence part of it because Prince absolutely oozes that. Mm -hmm. So, or did, he has now since passed. But further down the charts though, at number seven, we have Mariah Carey. Oh God. With emotions. Come on. Move on. All right. Well, a little later in the month, on November 25th, 1991, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me was released. It's an Elton John song, but he and George Michael duetted on this version. You'd be hard-pressed to find a gayer duo than those two. It's a pretty song. It's a great song. Mm. And again, we lost George Michael as well in in the subsequent years. Well, not in 1991, but, you know, since then. Lots have happened since then. In movies... Basically, nothing was happening. We were very young, and I know you probably didn't see any of these movies. Curly Sue. I do remember watching part of it because my parents were watching it. I'm sure it was a blockbuster rental for us. Was um, Billy Crystal in that? No. No? Who am I thinking of? I have no idea. All right. (laughs) Well, uh, I know you've never seen this. The People Under the Stairs. No. Okay. Little Man Tate. Nope. Jodie Foster movie. Mm -mm. And then Highlander 2. I only recently saw Highlander 1, like, in the past, like, five years. Did you enjoy it? Not really. I mean, I, I, I knew about, like, the whole, like, drama with it and, like, hit, and the whole big thing with his accent being a thing before I watched the movie, so, like, it was kind of funny to he, me. What, that he's, he's supposed to be Scottish, but yeah. he has a thick French accent? <laughs> yeah. And uh, the cool thing about Highlander 2 is that they completely upend all the mythology from the first movie. It turns out the Highlanders are aliens, and the plot takes place like in the future on Earth. It's a whole like pollution thing. It's wild. We absolutely should watch it okay. for a schlock night. Glenn will not be able to take it, no. but anyway. Things we are more familiar with, things we did experience on television. We're gonna use the TV section to close out 1991 for now. It hasn't happened very often, but there's a direct connection with our episode of Baywatch that we watched. Today, November 4th, 1991, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air aired a new episode. This is season two, episode eight, and it guest starred Queen Latifah. Who doesn't love Queen Latifah? I love her. The episode though was entitled, She Ain't Heavy which is a reference to a song lyric, but uh, it's as tasteless as the title of this episode of Baywatch, to be perfectly honest. And they tackle the same issues. They do. Will has a blind date with Dee Dee, Dee Dee being the character played by Queen Latifah. And while he likes her a lot, they get along swimmingly. They have all the same things in common, even the same stupid humor. She's too big for him to ask to the school dance. Was she big at all, Danny? I mean, you know, she's not like classically thin. Like she has like a more round face, I think. And like, I think it makes her look bigger than she is. Um, but no, she's not bad. No, 
if anything, people say thick nowadays. That word, I guess, could be applied to her. But yeah, she she was not 90s thin. But and like they even like did like a montage, a little montage of like the girls he dated before, and like they were like pixie sticks. Thin as a pen, yes. Yeah. And in fact, the 90s, this particular era, and going forward, hell, until more recently, thin was in, and women especially. I mean, hell, think about Ally McBeal and all the drama that Calista Flockhart engendered, you know, that she brought up just by being as skinny as she was. But it was a big deal. It was Heroin chic was not a phrase that wasn't appropriate. That was mm-hmm. what was going on. But she's, again, like we said, nowhere close to fucking fat. It's it's kind of a cute episode, I have to admit. Like, Uncle Phil has a good good stuff. Carlton comes off really well. I love Will's school friend that they give him a goof. Kellogg. Yeah. They call him Kellogg or something like that. Or Cornflake. They call him Cornflake because his last name is Kellogg. He's this little uh, white boy that, like, tries to pretend like he knows street lingo. <laughs> really cute. And Queen Latifah comes off very well. Look, Diddy, I just thought that... You just thought that because I'm not a size six. No one would ask me out. Well, not everyone feels like that. I mean, that's just your hang-up, isn't it? Diddy, listen, I really like you a lot, all right? You really like being with me as long as no one thinks you're with me. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just not good enough for me. But Will... She comes off really well for the whole episode until the very end. Right. When she gives him a complete pass for all his shitty behavior. Yeah, and it's not just Will, by the way, that's shitty to her. Even Hillary talks shit about Queen Latifah behind her back. No, I... From what I remember, uh, she was in favor of Queen Latifah. She uh, she wasn't against Will dating her, but she did comment on her weight and her health. Mm. As if that's any of that bitches. Never mind. But something also unique, again, tying into what we talked about before, Queen Latifah as Dee Dee in this episode, they go to a basketball game together. And she, just, she specifically mentioned screaming out to Magic Johnson so that she could give him uh, her phone number. So th- this episode only aired a few days before Magic Johnson's announcement. So you, that sort of lets you know how big he was at the time. So one question, because you watched Fresh Prince uh, more than I did. Did we ever see Dee Dee again? No. Okay. However, though, Queen Latifah does show up later on when Hillary's trying to start her own talk show. If that's something that she gets into, Queen Latifah, I don't remember if she's playing herself or an Oprah type, mm. but she does come back uh. and she's wearing a really cool outfit. I think it's more like maybe even the living single and started already. I don't know, but she's got this cool hat. It's wonderful. I don't like Fresh Prince at all. Uh, Mainly because of Will Smith, but the side characters, they're pretty cool. Finally, on TGIF this week, November of 1991, Urkelbot debuts on Family Matters. Oh, God. Yep, and that's followed by new episodes of Step by Step and Perfect Strangers. Love Step by Step. Your favorite, my favorite, and then that's followed by a show called Baby Talk. Do you remember Baby Talk? I do not remember Baby Talk. Do you remember Look Who's Talking? Uh, yeah. Baby Talk was a ripoff of Look Who's Talking. Oh. Yeah, it's a pretty typical sitcom that has a voiceover from an infant. I love the whole trilogy of Look Who's Talking. I do too, and so does Glenn. Uh, we'll be watching the dog one soon. Oh, Look Who's Talking now. Exactly. So, that's enough context for now. Let's get into our Baywatch basics for this episode. And first up, we have Mitch Buchanan, David Hasselhoff. Next up, we have Brooke, played by Patrice Leal. And we've met her once before in our episode where we covered The Lost Treasure of Tower 12. She, uh, I thought in that episode that she only had bad hair for that episode, but it turns out, no. 
that's just what she's saddled with for the four episodes of Baywatch. Wasn't she also in the one, uh, I forget the title of it, where the the storm or whatever? Shelter Me? Shelter Me. No. No? No. Who she was, was that not about? last year. That was Jill. Jill. Oh, sorry. They have a very different look, and Jill, as we know, becomes Sharkbait. But moving on, we have Harvey Miller, played by Tom McTeague. He was also in the last episode that we watched with Brooke, who uh, he didn't do much in this episode, thank God. Yeah. Because he came off as a complete goon before. And I think that's just his character. Yeah, I think that he is light comedy, but he's cute. I think so. He's adorable-ish, like in the face. Personality, no. Adorkable. Yes. Is the phrase that I have heard used for his types. So next up, Shawnee McLean, played by Erica Eleniak and... How many eyebrows does she have in this episode? Two. Two, with a very clear separation, because we're in season two, and they started to take care of the grooming a little better. She is dating Eddie Kramer, Billy Warlock, my favorite of these particular episodes. And then we have Hobie Two, played by Jeremy Jackson. Actually gets some decent stuff to do. And we hear about another friend, Timmy. Timmy. Timmy! His friend group is growing. And finally, of our regular cast, we have Garner Ellerby, played by Gregory Allen Williams. And I love Garner every time he's on the screen. They treat him like shit in this episode, but at least he's a good sport about it. Yeah, he he got the short end of the stick of this episode. <laughs> so, I don't know. He got to play with the dog some. So, we'll, we'll get yeah. to it. But uh, as far as our guest stars, we have Nicole. She is going to be basically the main protagonist of the, the A-plot. She's played by a woman named Melinda Reimer. And she seems to have no other acting credits. Can't find anything else she's done. So, this is the only thing she's done. She did an amazing job. I really loved her, but we'll get into the weird stuff. Mm. Yeah. Then we've got Kelly, who is the woman that, the very young woman that Mitch goes on a date with. Who is she played by, Denny? I don't know her name, but her, she's Real Housewives, right? Yes. Her name is Lisa Rana. Yes, that's who it is. Lisa Rana. Now, admittedly, this is 1991. It's a long time ago. She's nearly unrecognizable because... She has a good relationship with surgeons, let's say that. <laughs> and she's kept herself looking quite tight and nice. And she's married to Harry Hamlin. Yes, I love Harry Hamlin. Harry Hamlin. Where do you love him from? Uh, Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans, absolutely. You got to love that little loincloth. And, and also, uh, he played a gay guy in Shameless for a couple of episodes. Oh, really? Yeah, he was uh, Ian the Redhead. He was kind of like his like little fuck buddy for a while. I got to get into that show. Mm. All right, we have Henry the Dog, played by... I don't know. And I'm a little bit of a spoiler that his name is Henry, but they don't list dog actors on the fucking internet. I, I didn't even know that was a thing. It should be. Maybe someday. And finally, we have Tilly McCabe, who's played by an actress named Fran Ryan, an older woman. She's been in a million old TV shows and movies, but I remember her from, you won't remember her from, Green Acres. Okay. She wasn't a regular, but she popped up here or there. She was a regular, irregular character on Night Court. And then she was on an episode of Quantum Leap. Speaking of Night Court, that's coming back. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Instead, let's get into our episode, Baywatch, Season 2, Episode 8, Thin or Die. Mitch sets the tenor of this episode with some bitching right <laughs> off the bat. The lifeguards are again getting no credit for their assistance in a rescue. He bitches a lot this episode. He really does. Uh, it's not the greatest showing, particularly how he treats that dog. Now, we've also seen before, though, this frustration from the lifeguards, that they don't get the sort of credit that they've earned. But, sorry, guys, in this case, there was a huge fire, apparently, and that's probably going to get most of the focus. Yeah. Some of us aren't in this for the glory, Mitch. That's the sun, right? <laughs> right. I mean, because who takes care of fires? Firefighters. 
Exactly. But well, it's okay. We know, we know these lifeguards are important. We, we see the sort of adventures well, they yeah, go the to. yeah, the show's called Baywatch. It's about lifeguards. Well, even besides that, <laughs> they have to be on the beach all day. That's hard work for some. So it's Mitch, Harvey, and uh, Brooke coming back on a scarab. They are, like, covered in soot, I guess, like, from the fire they were helping put out. They're, they were either at a fire or they were just on the set of Mary Poppins singing Chim Chim Chur. <laughs> so now they're complaining, though, or carping. Carping? Ever heard carping, carping? before? It's a pun. Carping. That's a, another word for complaining, but carp, fish, water. Never, Never mind. Never heard of that before. Anyway, that's interrupted by their job. It's a dog! There's a dog in the middle of the ocean, and he needs rescuing. How is this dog alive, is what I want to know. Because there's no other boats around. No, there's no boats within any site or, or land. And they comment on that. And Mitch dives in to rescue the dog. And he must, among his many skills, is he has sort of a diagnostic ability. He is able to recognize that the dog is now suffering from hypothermia. And they need to rush back to headquarters as quickly as possible to save the dog. And, I mean, thank goodness he does that. But, you know, the I mean, dog is very cute. Yeah, but, like... It didn't look particularly cold out. No, it didn't. And yeah, and it, this dog has been swimming for a long while, so he has this body heat is probably like really up there. You do expend body heat though when you're doing these mm. things, so you know the two go hand in hand. We're about to go skiing, Denny. So these are things you need to keep in mind if he gets trapped on the slopes. But uh, I don't ski, by the way. Anyway, it's a cute dog, and thank goodness Mitch saves it. Golden Retriever. I just want to throw that out there. Yes, a very <laughs> handsome man. He's an older dog, clearly, because he has that nice white mask yeah. that they start to get. Um, we'll learn more about him as we go. For now, Eddie and Shawnee are wasting the day hanging out on the deck of their boathouse. I, I want to, I have questions about this because I, I, they were on a boat uh, tanning and taking some sort of magazine quiz. I want to know at first whose boat it was and I later find out Eddie's living in it, I guess with Shawnee now too. Where the fuck did he get the money for the houseboat? We've seen this on a previous episode, just briefly. Like, and I actually, I had to like piece it together. The other season two episode we watched was the Lost Treasure of Tower 12. Right. And that one, you do see them in their place. And at the time I was like, is that a houseboat? Are they living on a houseboat? Which would not make sense in the real world, but makes sense in the, in the sense of a television show. These are people that work on the water. Maybe they live in the water in an interesting locale as a houseboat. Can you imagine living on a goddamn boat? No. Yeah. But uh, where do they get the money for it? Houseboats are expensive. And this one seems pretty decent. Yeah. It's a nice boat. Yeah. And, like, Eddie doesn't come for money. We, we know that Eddie has had, has had to have multiple jobs at various points. But we do find out Shawnee does come from money, at least oh. based on some of the things they argue about here. And they're definitely arguing, but it's totally Shawnee's fault in this case. Because anyone that... You have an older sister, so you probably remember these sorts of torturous quizzes that were in all these, these women's magazines. Brain's just uh, it's obviously not a man. What? Actually, I was always uh, just happy to be included with my older sister because <laughs> even though I would never admit it, she was very cool. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Well, the, well, I can give you the older perspective then. Those quizzes fucking suck. Yes. Uh, my sister read uh, YM. I can remember one of my first jobs at Old Navy being in the back on break and this group of girls giggling and looking throughout the whole magazine <laughs> and doing the quizzes together. And ugh, print is dead. Thank God. My favorite was Say Anything. It was like these like funny stories that people went through. Yes. And like I... they were like embarrassing stories and I always thought they were hilarious. Well, I'm certain they were just like penthouse letters and <laughs> made up for the magazine. But regardless, in this case, Shawnee is giving Eddie a quiz about their relationship compatibility. 
doesn't go well. How could a magazine <laughs> accurately tell these two people that they should be together? But before we go any further, let's just talk about their outfits. We, t- we said before it didn't look cold, but it doesn't exactly look really warm either. While they're sunning themselves on this boat deck, Shawnee is wearing like a pretty hot black and gold bikini, but she is wearing a jacket on top. And Eddie, he's in some yellow shorts, which are riding quite high. And he's got this big Adidas windbreaker on, as 90s as it can be, mostly white with purple and light teal sections. And we'll see it a little bit later too. Now that you say this, I do kind of remember Eddie wearing, it looked like a turtleneck later in the episode. So maybe it is a colder time of the year. As we've sort of seen, especially these earlier seasons, they're probably filming on the quote-unquote off-season mm. at the beach, and so it probably is not the greatest weather. And quite frankly, the skies don't look all that clear from what we see. Regardless, the quiz sucks, and Eddie is in no mood to take it. He's not the type of guy that wants to take a quiz like that anyway, and Shawnee seems to give some sort of outsized influence to it. I guess we have real different ideas about what's fun. I guess we have real different ideas about a lot of things. What's that supposed to mean? It means we just scored a 10 on the compatibility test. 10? 10 could be good. Not when it's out of 100. Oh. But, Josh, they only scored a 10 out of 100. (gasps) You're right. What am I talking about? Clearly, they were never meant to be together. Well, so what? Who cares what some stupid test says anyway? This leads to an argument that clearly they've had a number of times. That their time, their free time, is often planned or interrupted by Shawnee's plans. She dictates what their social life is like. Which, to be honest, compared to what he wants to do versus what she wants to do. She wants to go see a nice show. She wants to go to have a nice meal with her family. She wants to go to this charity thing. He wants to go to baseball games. They all sound awful to me, to be honest. That is true. I mean, I, I mean... The, I mean, maybe the show would be cool, especially if it's like a movie, but like... Ugh. No, you know they're going to a live Dinner show. with someone's parents, that sounds just tragic. Well, if they're paying... Well, maybe. You know, and Eddie, as we've said, it doesn't end well. I, I just feel like we're so different, you know? Maybe we need to... What? Maybe we just need some space. Oh, come on. Hey! Basically, Shawnee storms off in her bikini and no shoes, down the dock. Saying that she just needs some space. And I guess she's gonna get it. Now we head to Baywatch headquarters, which is apparently stocked with veterinary equipment, (laughs) which of course it is, because this is Baywatch. And the mystery dog, he's scarfing down some rather cheap food that Mitch has produced for him. Come on, Mitch, you know, spend a dollar. Brooke and Harvey are on hand as well. They're smart. There's a dog around, they're hanging out. If there was a dog in the office, I'd be right there too. Now, Harvey, he just so happens to have a camera in his locker, which... Creep. Well, yeah, we've learned Harvey is a bit of a creeper, and it makes sense that he has a camera, but it's good that he does, because they're going to take some photos of the dog and distribute some lost dog flyers. I wonder if any of those flyers have ever, like, found a lost pet. It's funny you mentioned that, Denny. Glenn and I had a rash uh, when we first... The first house we lived in together, within a couple months, we found three separate dogs and we started to make posters for each of them, and only one time did we actually have to put the posters up because we found the owners so quickly. All right. So uh, you hope that they work. I see I them do. and you get and sad. I, I, ever, I always see like lost cat or lost dog, and I'm like, I get so sad. It's awful. As a huge aside, but talking about media, this is probably 30 years after Baywatch, there's an episode of Veronica Mars, specifically about pet theft and she busts up this whole ring of of, of pet stealers. So if you've never seen Veronica Mars, check it out for the first two seasons. (laughs) Anyway, Mitch goes to put away the remaining crappy food, and the dog clamps down on his pants. 
He's not letting that man leave without him. So Mitch is like, I guess I'm going to have to take him home. Lucky Mitch. Yeah. Lucky so, Hobie. <laughs> now, Eddie's looking very cute, but rather lonely in his weird houseboat abode. Lonely enough to talk to his fish at length. Now, the fish happen to be named George and Gracie. Do I even have to ask if you know what that means? George and Gracie. Give me a hint. I, it's really hard to give you any other hint. Orangutan? Cigars? George Burns. <laughs> George Burns. Have you heard of George Burns? No. Okay. George Burns, if you saw him, you would know him. He, As we grew up, he was like the old man. He was a very old man that always wore a tuxedo with big glasses and smoked a cigar. And he kind of talked like this, and he would say jokes and stuff. And, well, he's been around since the vaudeville, since before television, since before movies. And he had an act with his wife, Gracie. So it was George and Gracie, George Burns and Gracie Allen. Well, Gracie, did you get any mail from home? Oh, yes, I had a letter from my sister Hazel. Well, that ought to be good for a few minutes. How is, how is Hazel? Oh, Hazel hasn't been very well. Her feet are killing her, so she's going to have glasses fitted. That should take long in a few minutes. Isn't her glasses fitted because her feet are killing her? Sure. She couldn't see where she parked the car. She had to walk five miles to get home. Married couple. They had this whole routine together. And again... You clearly don't. This is flying right over my head. Well, you're not into old Hollywood, but Eddie is, as we've seen before. So it makes sense that his fish would be named. Is Eddie just a little bit gay? Let's hope so. (laughs) Now, this being the long distant past of 1991, we get to see how people used to handle missed calls. If you didn't have an answering machine. This whole scene threw me for a loop. Were you not familiar with answering services? No. Oh. We had answering machines by the time like I was old enough to know anything. I think that it was probably a more urban thing where obviously you would have the infrastructure to have enough sort of jobs that there would be a, a place for that. Um, and it also seemed like a more professional sort of thing. Doctors especially had answering services because then they could also get a hold of you in case of an emergency. And he's a rescue worker, so but also maybe a houseboat isn't built for an answering machine. Eddie uses the service enough, though, that he is quite familiar with the voice on the other end of the line. And that voice, pretty sexy. Answer me, Nicole speaking. How can I help you? It's Eddie. How you doing, Nicole? Hi, Eddie. How's my favorite lifeguard doing today? Seductive. Sultry. Probably inappropriate for uh, the workplace. So, like, like I said, this whole scene threw me for, for a loop. Because when he first picked up the phone, I thought he was literally calling a phone sex hotline. A 900 number that he was yes. that upset? Yes. And then, like, you know, he's talking about messages. I'm like, okay, so does this person work for Baywatch? Like, I thought, like, it was, like, a Baywatch messaging thing. And in that case, I'm like, somebody needs to call HR on this woman. And this woman, attached to the sexy voice, her name is Nicole. And Eddie must get so many messages that they've struck up a friendship of sorts. Which, in a way, is kind of weird, but we live in the 21st century. How many friends or people that you would consider friendly with that you've only talked to online? In fact, a phone call, I think, is more intimate mm-hmm. than just typing back and forth to each other. I hate phone calls. Well, <laughs> and luckily we don't. We can avoid them for the most part nowadays. There's a message from Mitch for Eddie to let him know that he's got an upcoming shift at Tower 18. Mm. Tower 18. We're, we're going to get another number later in this episode filling in the blanks. Uh, but Nicole delivers it, yes, like we said, like a sex phone operator. I wish I worked at the beach. I'd love to be there at sunset. It sounds so sad. Sexy. The sunlight off the waves. Cool breeze. 
Bye. Not like a professional person, like, here are your messages. Instead, it's very sexy. I can't be that sultry. <laughs> I'm, I'm not capable of anything like that. And also, I've never called any 900 numbers. Not that I would for ladies, certainly. But all the late night commercials that used to be on, yeah. this is exactly what it sounded like. Did you ever call a psychic hotline? No. Did you? <laughs> no. Oh. No, but I have thought about going to Casadega. Oh, I know some people have gone. Maybe like, we'll do it for fun. Yeah. I had to get really high. <laughs> anyway, after Nicole enticingly gives the message, she, she says goodbye, and Eddie seems construct. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, he is just dazed. And we fade from his confusion to the gym at Baywatch HQ. And Eddie is working hard at pumping away his frustrations. <laughs> Not in a way we'd like to watch, but... He has a uh, sweatshirt on. He does, but he has shorts that are of a nice height. To add to his consternation and frustration, though, there's some gross, longish-haired guy, a new lifeguard, in the distance, pushing his crotch right up against Shawnee. Mm. It's so gross. But before Eddie can barge in the room and put a stop to it, Mitch stops him dead in his tracks to pass the mystery dog off. Hey, do me a favor, will you watch him? I gotta check the tower assignments. Where'd he come from? He only just for a second, though. Like, he has to go, I guess, make a phone call or something? I don't know. I guess the dog would have interrupted the phone call, or maybe it's a dog. Who knows? We've seen this before. Like, Mitch does not know how to interact with a dog very well. We have seen that. Like, we'll find out this later. It's a point of contention for me. <laughs> yes. Now, while Mitch doesn't have a great relationship with animals, the women around can't resist, and Shawnee comes right over once Eddie has the dog, ready to talk about their fight and work it out. But Eddie's not having it. He is in no mood. He's trying to work out and work out that frustration. Please stop ignoring me. You're really being unreasonable. I'm being unreasonable. Well... You just add that to the list. But the new lifeguard makes it all the easier for Eddie not to give in at all. His name is Derek. We come Derek. to find out. And he's just, he's a scuzz. He's slime. I thought he was kind of cute. Oh, really? He's a little bit. Like, not like, you know, main cast member hot, but like, he's he's cutish. Like you'd hook up with him? I'd have to see what it looks like. <laughs> not now. Like, but... Drop your pants. Let me all see right. it. If it's pretty, yeah, I'll put it in my mouth. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I did not feel the same. I found him to be... Very smarmy, which obviously was his character. He wasn't meant to come off well. And we don't really get to see much of Derek other than trying to scam on Shawnee, who very clearly has a partner in Eddie. And they all work together. So who knows what Derek is thinking, but it doesn't matter because there is, speaking about dropping him, he's wearing hot red shorts like a lifeguard should, and they seem a size too small and as high as he can pull them. So his sack is practically on display. We might need to do some freeze frames. Oh my. Now, Shawnee, or Shoney, as Derek calls her, he calls her Shoney. Shoney, I'll wait for you outside, okay? Like the restaurant, Shoney's. I just, I loved it, but she couldn't have appreciated that. Shawnee, she's got to leave to show this new guy around, which suits Eddie just fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't want to keep Derek waiting. He gets to be shitty and uncommunicative, but he doesn't have to be the one to march out. And he tells a uh, dog to play that game. What game? I don't think Shawnee's playing a game. Mm, we'll see that there is a bit of a game here. It's, it's brinksmanship inside of a couple. They are, instead of dealing with their issues, they're playing a game. And we'll come to see that while Eddie's definitely the one that's really pushing the buttons here, Shawnee is not entirely guilt-free. I think she is like maybe 2% guilty while Eddie is like 98%. Eddie is definitely a bad party. Yeah. <laughs> Though again, neither of them have good showings no. and, and we'll come to that. 
just as quickly as he's lamenting with the dog, he's happy to ditch it. He shoves the leash right in the dog's mouth, and the dog sits there. He does sit there. He holds the leash, but you know what he does? He snorts <laughs> as soon as Eddie walks away. I said, fuck you, dude. Who are you? You know, I, I've noticed that, like, pretty much the dog listens to almost everyone or acts good for almost everyone except for Mitch and, and Garner. Maybe there's a reason that that dog is an anti-authoritarian <laughs> person. He's not going to put up with that shit. He's a punk dog. Eddie, he's got a plan. A not good plan. Not at all. No. He runs to the shared phone in Baywatch, uh, I guess at the break room, and he dials a number, which he knows by heart, and the first ring doesn't even finish before someone picks up. And who is it? The sex phone worker, Nicole. It's Nicole, answering as sexily as possible. Answer me, Nicole speaking, how can I help you? Hey, Nicole, it's... Eddie, hi. And I have to imagine, Denny, I mentioned that I had a theory. This answering service, answering service. This is just Nicole. <laughs> okay, this is Nicole waiting at home by the phone. She is the answering service, and her only client is Eddie. Oh, God. I know it sounds sad, but it's very hard to d figure out what else she's doing except waiting for his call. And let me tell you, I like Nicole. Not yet, because so far she just seems like someone that is far too sexy at work. Yeah. <laughs> or at least for the job she's doing. Far too inappropriate. Yeah, whatever. Maybe her supervisors are fine with it. But Eddie's going to take advantage of that. Absolutely. Because he's not calling for messages, he doesn't need any messages. Instead, he's calling to invite Nicole to hang out near his tower today. There's supposed to be a beautiful sunset tonight. Why don't you come down and watch it with me? As we heard, he's got a shift, and he's saying, Hey, I have to be out here. Why don't you come hang out? And she agrees immediately. And they both plan to watch the sunset together. Doesn't really sound all that platonic. To me, mm -mm. Eddie is sounds real... like a date to me. Yes, Eddie is clearly trying to kick the hornet's nest. Yeah, and they get off the phone, and Eddie, clearly happy that his yucky plan is coming along, he heads back to the gym, not before stopping to brag to Mitch that he's responsible for the dog's newfound obedience. <laughs> Gotta let him know you mean business. Mitch tries, and of course, the dog does exactly the opposite of what <laughs> Mitch. Wants. Like I said, like does not listen to Mitch at all. Yes, if it wasn't a dog, if it was instead like a child or something, it wouldn't be funny. But man, the dog is cute. Mm. Meanwhile, at the beach, the hunt for the dog's owner is on. Eddie is passing out flyers to the crowd. The crowd of mostly glistening beach babes. And one hairy dude yeah. off to the side. And Eddie himself is looking quite fine. And this is going to be our stud watch of the episode. Uh, there has not been a very good showing of studs in this episode. We will talk about it. Our initial thing with stud watch, Denny... Correct me if I'm wrong. The notion was there's a lot of hot extras, but there's probably going to be one in each episode that we can pick out that is the winner. Mm -hmm. And there's been one or two before we've struggled to figure out who there could be because there have been so few extras because they were bottle episodes, basically. And the one episode, uh, Shelter Me, uh, that was Craig, or Lawyer Lifeguard, because there was literally no other extras except for the criminals. Exactly. In this case, the extras are of a particular variety. They aren't the male variety, but there's no one to see. Beyond that, as I argued to you, Eddie makes a very good physical showing in this yes, episode. So he looks very good in this scene. He looks particularly, like, I guess, stout. Damn, boy, he's thick! Looks very uh, thick mm -hmm. in this particular scene. And those sunglasses are pretty cool. Shorts are a little bit too high up on the waist, like always. It's but, 1991. You know, it's, it's Eddie. It's Eddie. And Eddie. He's a short guy. and You know, <laughs> you know how it is. He's trying to come. Like, Whatever. It doesn't matter. Because Shawnee's tower, Tower 19, 
just happens to be in visual range of Eddie's today, and he can see her with Derek. She already let him know, and he also knows outside of this, that when there are new lifeguards, the veteran people have to walk them through everything, and that's what's happening here. There's no reason to suspect that Shawnee has any interest in this scuzzball, but Eddie knows what he's planning. Eddie continues to stir the pot. It's not enough for him to just see this happening, to be planning dates with strangers. He calls Shawnee from his tower. Just want to let you know I won't be going back to headquarters tonight. Why not? Got plans. Me too. Doesn't matter. See you later. You won't see me after work today. I've got plans. And just leaves it at that. Well, she's like, what plans? And uh, what was? What did he say? Uh, doesn't. Oh, he says it doesn't matter. And hangs up the phone. Hangs up the phone. If I, was, if I was trying to be like, oh, that bitch. And was within spitting distance, you're goddamn right. And he would have gotten that middle finger. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know if a finger would be going in Eddie at that point, but uh, Derek's right there. And we know that Eddie's watching. Might be time to put on a show. <laughs> That's just me. I can be a bitter bitch. But beyond that, fuck Eddie. No mind games. No more mind games. Yeah. What kind of relationship is this? In fact, Eddie is so invested in this game that he's playing that as soon as he gets off the phone, he grabs his binoculars so he can catch Shawnee's every reaction. It's it's disgusting. He laughs even. Yeah. It, it doesn't last long. Not at all, because there's a voice from behind calling out for Eddie. Hi, Eddie. And who is it? It's Nicole. It's Nicole. She's here early. And Eddie turns. Nicole? And the sad synth music begins as we see Nicole for the first time. And she's basically dressed like a plus-size blossom. Uh, she's a large woman, certainly larger than anyone we've seen on Baywatch. And that's not to say anything bad about Nicole, but Baywatch, we know, has a certain mold that you must fit in, and she does not. The thin or die of the title of this episode is going to refer specifically to Nicole's storyline. And they have styled her horribly, as I said, a plus-size blossom. She is dressed in a floral sort of overall culotte thing <laughs> with a blue long sleeve shirt underneath to Henley. She's got this pink and white blossom hat on. What is that? It's like the top is like flipped up and like... Yep, and because it's flipped up, you can glue numerous flowers uh-huh. and things to it. And it's not... It's a pink and white hat. It's sort of like, like almost tie-dyed or something. It's hideous. She's got a beautiful smile and she is just beaming with excitement. She is so happy to see Eddie, to be there regardless of how costuming may have styled her. And unflatteringly, she's happy to be there. Eddie, on the other hand... The look on his face. Well, he stares in confusion. Let's call it that. And the awkward tension, it just keeps rising, basically to intolerable levels. And it could only be broken by... A commercial break. Sometimes it's easy to get carried away. Until suddenly you find yourself out of control. So before things go too far... Use Trojan condoms to help reduce the risk. Herman, this is a mistake. Big mistake. We shouldn't be doing this. I agree, absolutely. If you could look inside Herman's head, you'd see his lust. Yes! We are holding a woman! His sensitivity. We're merely comforting her! His intellect. Condoms! Don't forget the condoms! And his anxiety. They're all fighting for control. I think we get this girl some moves. Inside Herman's head. Get into it tonight. 
Unfortunately for us and Eddie, the commercial break has provided no relief from the awkward tension. And Eddie's behavior certainly doesn't help at all. He's surprised that Nicole looks the way that she does, which is pretty shitty to begin with since there's no reason to expect how a person should look just based on how they sound. How sexy they come across on the phone. Exactly. Nicole isn't noticing. She's excited. She's here for a day at the beach. She's loaded up. She's got a boombox. She's got a picnic basket. She's got a beach roll. Like, she's ready to go because their plans were to watch the sunset together. I came down a little early. I hope you don't mind. Uh, not at all. Okay, great. I'll set everything up. Well, uh, actually, Nicole... Well, Eddie, I don't know why he even suggests this. Like, does he, like, just want to get away from Shawnee? Because he asked, like, if he's starving, he wants to go get something to eat now. I'm starving, and I was really kind of hoping maybe we'd go out and get some meat. But Eddie, the sunset. Of course, there's always candlelight. <laughs> That's right. He basically interrupts Nicole as she's talking about being excited to be there. Where would you like me to go? Blah, blah, blah. She knows there, she's there early. She's very eager. Eager beaver. Yes. Eddie rewards that positive energy with wanting to hide her away. That's why he suggests, oh, Let's go out and eat. Is it because he doesn't want to be seen with her in public or because he knows Shawnee's right there? Well, it's funny that you say that because while Eddie and Nicole are trying to figure out the next step, Shawnee and Derek drive up in a Baywatch truck, probably at the worst possible time in Eddie's eyes. Shawnee's in the passenger seat and she's just letting Eddie know, hey, we're going on patrol. Meanwhile, Derek is basically on top of Shawnee over the window. He's got the biggest shit-eating grin on. And Eddie deserves that shit-eating grin. Absolutely, in every way, because his one shitty decision has now led to multiple people are being hurt, mm -hmm. all because of his, well, his bad decisions. Yes, his immaturity. Yeah, his selfishness, all sorts of things. Nothing was good from any of this. It was born up, he was basically going to be passive-aggressive and try to manipulate his girlfriend by doing these things. So it's kind of nice that he's getting to come up and at the expense of Nicole, it's absolutely not worth it. Nicole's no fool. She's not an idiot. She can clearly sense what Eddie is indicating by, oh, let's go out. And now these people that he knows have shown up and Eddie has acted even stranger. It, it, it's sad, but she agrees to go along anyway. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe she's wrong. Maybe Eddie is a nice guy. Maybe she's misinterpreting, you know, or maybe she's driven all the way out to the beach and God damn it, I'm going to have a good time, <laughs> whatever it, into it entails. But he tells her that he has to close up his tower. Oh, he's more embarrassed than ever because, yeah, as soon as Shawnee and Derek make their way out, he's endless excuses. Yeah. Um, I've got to close up my tower and, and change. Oh, oh, OK. You want me to go down there? That would be great. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hustle it up. Okay, I'll okay. see you in a bit. Okay. And says, oh, just go hang out at the beach. I'll come get you when it's time to go eat. And it's here that I specifically noticed the extra situation. Almost every extra in this episode, which what doesn't sound that strange when I say it, but it is, almost every single extra is a thin woman in a bikini. Like, there's often bikini babes in the, yeah. ep in the episodes, tons of them, right? But it's more or less balanced out by men. This was all hot women in order to contrast with exactly. Nicole. Mm -hmm. We'll see that more blatantly in a bit. Things are thankfully, mercifully, less awful at the Buchanan household, and Mitch has a surprise for Hobie. Hey, Holster, come on down. I got someone I want you to meet. Dad, a dog! Now, I guess Mitch is housing the four-legged foundling until they can find his owners, and Hobie is just as excited as anybody would be. 
Yeah, because I, I, there was an episode where I guess Hobie was keeping a dog for his friend in a previous episode. He's kind of hiding it from Mitch. And so we've seen that Hobie wants a dog. Mitch is not, I guess, a pet guy. He's like any young boy. He wants a pet. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I always wanted a dog until I had one and then had responsibilities. Yeah. And then, you know, your, your parents always know that the dog is your responsibility, but it's really their responsibility. You rescued him? That means you're responsible. Responsible to find his owner. That's all. Exactly. And as we've seen before, and as we continue to see here, Mitch is not an animal guy. He might be the king of the beach, but when it comes to furry creatures, that's not really his area. It's in this moment that the dog gets a name. A temporary name. Yes. Sandy. Sandy. Sand. Sandy. So you think it's a Greece reference? No, not at oh. all. Oh. I just, whenever I see, uh, hear Sandy, I just think of Sandra D. Oh, okay. Well, it might, could be that. I actually thought it was, the name was a reference. Sandy, Sandy's his name, if you please. To Annie. You ever seen Annie? Yeah, Little Orphan Annie? God, when I was super young, I barely remember anything about it. It's one of my favorite musicals. I might force you to watch it. Not the Jamie Foxx one, but the original. Her dog is named Sandy. She finds oh, a dog, and okay. he's like Sandy Color. Well, well, Hobie names this dog Sandy because he drags sand throughout the house, and somehow Mitch is outraged by that. Oh, sand everywhere! What I want to know is, first of all, like Mitch comments on the sand like after Kobe gets there. Like, yeah. Was, was the dog like holding onto the sand in its paws and just <laughs> let it go when Hobie got there? There's another scene later on that Mitch bitches that the dog is muddy, leaves no mud anywhere. Yeah. I think Mitch might be a secret clean freak. But the thing is, like, how are you going to be mad at Hobie for it? Like, what did a fucking Hobie do? He just walked in. His reactions with this dog and Hobie, like... Great. I feel bad for Hobie in this episode. I do, too. And I also felt bad for the dog. But as we're talking about this, that this could be sexual frustration. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. That this could be a little case of big balls needing to be drained and uh, that it's getting to Mitch. <laughs> Which, hey, we've all been there. Mm. Now, it's quite the happening restaurant that Eddie has taken Nicole to. There's people standing and drinking and laughing all over the goddamn place. And we get a weird focus on a particular waitress as we make our way to the table. She's got red hair piled up on her head in sort of like a messy nest. Um, she's sort of like a young Mrs. Garrett in a way. Uh, she's a thick layer of bronzer all over her amply exposed flesh. She's wearing this off-the-shoulder hot pink shirt that's pushed down as far down her chest as humanly possible, just about to nipple level. And she finishes it off with this chunky belt and a skirt in more hideous floral. <laughs> and later on, we'll see a blonde in the background of the same restaurant wearing exactly the same dress. So this is apparently the uniform. Oh, Jesus. I wonder what the men wear. I was going to say maybe it was just, was like a reused prop for the... No, they're uh, they're separately in the okay. same scene. So it's the uniform. There's a choice. We're not going to let Eddie off the hook in regards to outfits either. Because he's got, reminding myself it's 1991, he's wearing an oversized magenta long sleeve undershirt. Over top of that is... A, a vest. Uh, like a floral print vest. A paisley, paisley vest. Paisley, that's the yes, word. Yes, paisley vest. Likewise... Pretty big, and it was the style at the time to wear large clothing. And we don't get a view beneath the table, what's happening under there, but I'm sure he's got ill-fitting jeans that are pulled slightly too high. <laughs> it is Eddie. Now, Nicole, she seems like a generally happy person. In the face of this weirdness that's happening, she's still staying positive. But Eddie looks miserable, and not just because of his clothes. He looks like he's 
waiting for a sniper to <laughs> shoot him. Like he is crawling out of his skin and we don't just notice, Nicole notices yeah. too. I've embarrassed you, haven't I? And she, she calls him on it. Yeah, she's like, are you embarrassed to be seen with me? And to his credit, he owns up to it right away. Well, not right away. He does deny it at first, but he does come around and say, but you didn't embarrass me. I embarrassed me. She tries to apologize to him as well, trying to take some sort of credit for the, these things going wrong. And quite frankly, she shouldn't shoulder any of this burden. Yeah, and I feel like at this point, Eddie realizes like he is being a jerk and he tries to really turn it around and like focus on her and be present with her. Well, part of that is also because Nicole is being so vulnerable. She's opening herself up. She's not, she's not a mess, right? She's not this person that can't keep herself together. She starts to tell Eddie, I understand your response. I just wanted to meet you so much. And I'm ashamed of the way I look. That's why I got the job at the answering service. So no one could see me. I could pretend to be thin. Pretend that food wasn't the only thing I had to come home to. So, if you want to leave, I'll understand. Which is fucking tragic. And how could that not get through to somebody? Like, mm -hmm. Eddie would have to be a complete monster to not be affected by that. And beyond that, we've seen Eddie is a good guy. You know, he, he makes mistakes, but he also tries to fix them afterwards. Nicole is happy for that, that, that he's willing to have a conversation, even because she was so excited to be asked out that even though there were red flags, he's a lifeguard. He probably looks a certain way. There's all this stuff. She went for it because she was so excited because there was so much there was so much she had a connection with. And she was happy to have a genuine sort of rapport. She maintains a brave and cheery smile throughout all of it. But there's sadness, not even beneath the surface. It's right there. And she even likes is straight up like. We can leave if you want. Oh, I, we can all be shitty mm -hmm. and we can all be rude. And it's moments like this that I think are very important for everyone to see. Whether you're mean or you're nice or anything, just to be reminded that all of the people around us are people and have whole inner lives that they may or may not share with you, but the way you interact with them impacts them. And... Thank Christ Eddie is not a total asshole yeah. because this really could have gone a different way. The Fresh Prince episode, Will never really makes any recommends. No, not at all. But he's is forgiven, which is the most frustrating thing about the episode. But it's a comedy show, so I guess they handle it differently. But Yes. Yeah. Properly chastised and feeling, well, I need to fix this. Eddie mans up and he lets Nicole know. Leave? Hell no, I don't want to leave. We're staying. You and I are going to initiate this restaurant together. Really? Are you sure? Absolutely. Have you ever known me to lie? Nah. <laughs> uh, Garcon. This makes her so happy. Yes, it does. And there are easy jokes to be made. But that's not what this is about. This is a person that going through something that is maybe making a friend. It's not going necessarily the way she would love it to, but it's better then maybe the worst. And Nicole here, Melinda Reimer, the actress. Again, like I said, she has no other acting credits, but particularly this scene fucking nails it. Like I felt everything in this. And maybe part of it's because I've had people very close to me uh, struggle with their weight and, and whatever. But like, I really wish she would have done more. Yeah. So kudos to her. Meanwhile, back at Mitch's house, he is cooking up a storm. Yep, he's searing a steak. 
on the uh, stove there. And he's also watching the news on his kitchen RCA. Mm, a news report. <laughs> As we've learned, if there's a news report going on in Baywatch, <laughs> even though nobody else is paying attention to it, we should. Yes, it's, it's going to come up later in the episode. Exactly. And we are treated to mugshots of two escaped criminals. We don't get their names. We don't get anything about them. But they escaped this morning. Where did they escape from? We discovered that the prisoners had escaped from Terminal Island early this morning and are still at large. While not thought to be armed, they are dangerous. I wrote it down. You shouldn't have to. You should remember. Terminal Island. Terminal Island, Denny. Where have we heard Terminal Island before? Is that the one uh, where the soap opera couple... No, that was actually a different jail. Terminal Island is the same prison where the other criminals broke out. There's so many criminals on this beach. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was in Baywatch Season 1, Episode 11. Our episode 11, Shelter Me. Okay. Right. The one where we saw Jill and those other people. And uh, that prison really needs to get some better security. <laughs> There's so much escaping. People just waltzing out. <laughs> and you think it's an island. You think it would be tough to get off of. <laughs> now, none of this matters at all because Hobie and Sandy come bounding into the house. Well, Sandy does and Hobie's running behind him. Sandy, wait! <laughs> hey! Oh! This is where oh, Mitch bitches oh, that the no, dog no. is all muddy. The dog... Jumps up on him, paws on his pants. He doesn't have any marks. There's no goddamn mud on this dog. He's just not happy to see this creature. And Hobie's like so sorry, you know, the dog got away from him. But like, he just walked in the door. Like, what's supposed to happen? You were saying earlier that you felt bad for Hobie. Maybe Mitch is temperamental. He's filthy. What are you doing here, huh? And he's got to walk on eggshells frequently. And as we saw last episode in Rookie Summer, Mitch is on him like a cheap suit. Mm-hmm. He can't do anything without being judged by his perfect father. So there's some there's some OCD stuff going on there yeah. with Mitch. But, like, Mitch is the one that brought this dog home. Like, and Hobie was nice enough to walk him. Like, what, what the fuck are you going to be mad at him for? I don't know. Mm. But the bitching continues to his son. And meanwhile, his steak starts to burn. So see what happens when you don't focus on what you should. Ah! Meanwhile, this is all interrupted by a ring at the doorbell. And who is it? It's Kelly. Mitch is fling for the night, I guess. I'm not early, am I? No. God, you look great. (laughs) It's intimated. Well, what am I saying? Intimate. Hobie knows her. Like, they know each other. They're very familiar. So this can't be their first date. And it would seem weird to have a first date in your home and you're cooking and you have a son, whatever. But we don't see her again or before. And (laughs) it doesn't matter. Kelly, she's played by Lisa Renna, who you recognized from... Real Housewives. Real Housewives. Do you watch those shows? I watched New Jersey for a little bit because... When I was living with my parents, mom's from Jersey. Right. So she's all up in about Jersey business. Ah, okay, cool. Uh, She is from Orange County? Maybe. Or is it Beverly Hills? Maybe Beverly Hills. I've never watched any of those shows. You know Glenn's stance on reality television. And uh, no, I haven't seen it. But I have seen the memes. That's a vicious, mean narcissist that does that. It's an empty threat. And only pussies do that. And beyond that, I've always enjoyed Lisa Renna. She is a fantastic interview. I've heard her on, well, when I used to listen to Howard Stern many years ago, she was very open about how she learned to give a proper blowjob. Okay. She went to a class, for Christ's sake. She's very open. And her husband, Harry Hamlin... I bet enjoyed that class. The fruits of that labor. I believe he reported specifically that he was happy by her progress. (laughs) So anyway, she's a beautiful woman. In this episode in particular, she's almost unrecognizable, as, as I may have said before. You know what's funny, though? 
you asked me before if I recognized any of the uh, extras and I said no and you're talking about it. I actually do have it on my notes, Real Housewives. So I, for some reason, completely forgot. Well, there's so much. The show's so rich, it's easy to get lost. Lisa Renna, she's here. This is one of her very early acting roles. I think she'd only done four or five things before this. And uh, she is 90s thin. She is very, very little. And she is wearing a skin-tight mini dress, colored like pink bubblegum. She, she looks good. She looks real good. She's got matching heels and a teeny tiny purse. And just FYI, but David Hasselhoff is 11 years older than Lisa Renna. So, you know, the dynamic is here. It's not so bad. No, it isn't, so, isn't as bad as some we've seen, and we'll see. Everyone's legal. Everyone's an adult here. Everyone knows what they're doing. And Hobie makes a quick retreat out of the house, not just to leave his dad alone for his date. That He gives sort of a weird wink-wink, nudge-nudge thing, too. Yeah, it was a little inappropriate. Have a nice time, guys. Get out of here. Uh, for his well, age. Well, inappropriate things in this episode. Yeah, 1991. It was a different world. He's off to his friend Timmy's. Timmy! Timmy! Timmy. Uh, yes. Nicole and Eddie's night continues as they enjoy an after-dinner stroll along the marina. Close by is Eddie's houseboat, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm betting so. Maybe it's one of those situations like Eddie's like, okay, well, by the time I'm done with this night, at least I'll be close to home. <laughs> you know, whatever. Or, hey, maybe he's thinking this will go further. He, his initial plan did have implications, let's say. I really think in my head he was just trying to make Shawnee jealous. So I don't think he would consider hooking up with someone else. It's hard to talk about what ifs, right? Because mm. anything can happen in the hypothetical. In the real world, at least of Baywatch, Eddie has pissed me off here. He's very earnest. And he's listing off all of these good qualities about Nicole. Oh, Nicole, you have a, a lot of wonderful qualities that have absolutely nothing to do with your weight. Oh, yeah, name one. Or ten. <laughs> <laughs> your sense of humor. And let's not forget the way you help your clients with all those crazy messages. <laughs> and you have a very sexy laugh. That what is inside of her is what is great. But it felt, it felt familiar. Many people, myself included, struggle with self-image. And I don't know about you, but I have been interested in people that have no interest in me. Oh, and, absolutely. Yes, and I have put myself out there. Uh, and... I've gotten similar responses where it's one person stroking another person's ego. One, so that they feel less badly about not being interested in that person. And two, so that they can alleviate their guilt for rejecting somebody. But now also, have you been on the other side of that? I have. And you know what, Denny? Thank you. I have too. I've been there a few times. All right, super stud. All right. All right, we get it. Everybody wants Denny. But uh, you're, you're right. It, it's hard on both ends of it. At this point, yeah, you're right. I'm probably projecting a little in my frustration with Eddie. But also, Nicole has not been treated right. And this line just didn't really sit with me well. But Eddie is being sincere. And it's not like he's going to start dating Nicole or anything like that. He's made it, I mean, it's very clear right there. And he even tells her, like, you know, I'm with Shawnee. Exactly. And thankfully, Nicole is not as cynical as I am, or at least she's more hopeful than I am at this point. And she takes those compliments in good faith. She shares with Eddie, though. Eddie, I've been thinking about losing some weight. (laughs) The way that she said it, like, it really did break my heart. Like, I I was really hurt um, for her. My mother has struggled with her weight my entire life. I've all, I've had friends, um, male and female, mostly female, but also men, that 
have had similar weight struggles and I know how hard it is for them. Thank God I have other problems. You know, I've never had to worry about that sort of thing, but you know, seeing it in another person, knowing what it, what it's like to feel not enough. Mm -hmm. It was hard. Yeah. The way that she also says it, that, oh, I was thinking of losing some weight. It almost feels like she's putting out a line with some bait on it for Eddie that saying that, hey, I'll be the weight that you want me to be eventually. But he even says like, you can do it, Nicole, if you want to. It's up to you, but you can only lose it for you. Nobody else. But I know you can do it. That's great as long as it's, you're doing it for yourself. Exactly. Which, you know, is the appropriate thing. Yes, and to help Eddie out, there's this wistful guitar that starts playing in the background. And me, I kept waiting for Puss in Boots to jump into the scene. But no, it was instead just a warm moment between two friends sharing some genuine intimacy with one another. I'm vacillating quite a bit on this, but we're going to make it work. The fire is crackling at Mitch's place as he and Kelly share wine over dinner. Are they eating on the floor? They are eating on the floor. I was going to comment on that, sort of like Japanese style. Yeah. I mean, I do that too, but because, you know, the TV, there's, we don't have like a, dining, a little table in the living room. We just have this little ottoman and I put my food on there and I tuck my feet under it and I just eat right there. Oh, Denny, you don't need to share all the sad I details do. of your life. <laughs> but in this case, I can understand it because it's a romantic date. Mm. They're sitting in front of this crackling fire and it makes sense to be a little closer. And if you're already on the floor, it's a little easier to roll around on it, right? Mm. Now, what, what made me pause for a second is I thought, is Kelly old enough to drink? She is. Okay. <laughs> I looked it up and I mean, honestly, her character could have been born whenever, but Lisa Renna was of age yeah. at this time. I, I didn't get the, an underage vibe from her. I mean, obviously she's young, but I definitely thought she was old enough to drink. Something else funny that I noticed, and kind of keeping with the theme of this episode and what it was like for women in the 90s in particular, Mitch's plate is practically clean, <laughs> except for the steak bone. Meanwhile, Kelly has not touched her food. The plate is fully there, undisturbed. Well, did he offer her a salad? He didn't offer... Because that's the only thing girls can eat. <laughs> Well, she does have some wine, so she can at least have that. But, you know, you got to watch your intake. You don't get a 20-inch waist by having steak, <laughs> apparently. Now, any romance is disturbed by Sandy barking his damn head off. Mitch has locked him in the goddamn laundry room. Mitch does everything wrong in this whole scene coming up. In regards to animal ownership, absolutely. Okay, he's trying to have some alone time with his lady friend. I understand. The dog has shown in no indication that it needs to be locked away. And you know what? The dog's not that happy. Hence him barking like a loon. He goes to check on the dog, but only at Kelly's insistence. Sandy doesn't sound too happy. Why does he have to be in the laundry room? Are you kidding? The laundry room's his favorite room. You know, it's... It's warm, cozy, it's nice in there. He likes it in there. And when he does... Gives him the bone? Yes. From the T-bone or, or the steak that he was eating. No! No? Yes, he oh. does. But no, Mitch. Oh, yeah. No, you do not give cooked bones to dogs. Why, Denny? Can they break and splinter and like get in their throat? It could break and splinter and cut them wherever as they're swallowing it. So you do not do that. We've seen how Mitch is treating these animals. He's not as precious as we might be. He checks on the dog. He gives him the bone. It seems that they have now had detente. Now, Sandy, if I give you this juicy bone, will you just can it? I'm trying to have a quiet dinner here. Shh, shh. The dog will... Calm down and be quiet. Well, Mitch returns to his meal. And before he can even enjoy one swallow of wine, Sandy's at it again. Bark, 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 bark. Which, 
hey, don't lock me in a room. There's clearly fun happening out there. <laughs> Mitch's patience for this animal is at an all-time low. Though, admittedly, that kind of barking would drive me crazy, too. I'm, you know I'm not the most patient man. But there's an easy solution. Let the dog out. Which Kelly suggests. She doesn't mind the dog being around. She likes this dog. She's a normal person. Yeah. Anybody would love this good boy. So, and he does let him out, and he goes to Kelly. She pets him. Oh, the good boy. See, Mitch, he was just lonely. <laughs> Hi, good boy. <laughs> but then, immediately, he locks him back in a different room. Right away. To Kelly's credit, she makes an exit. She sees that, hmm... This is an odd situation. I think I'm going to leave. I don't like how this man is treating this dog. She puts it to Mitch differently. Yeah. Sandy's lonely, Mitch. He needs you more than I do. He's lonely? He's not even my dog. But the thing is, like, if he just would have let the dog out, it probably would have wanted attention for, like, maybe a minute. And then it would have gone lay down somewhere right by them. They could have enjoyed their nice dinner. Exactly. Or it might have been one of those situations they start banging and the dog's licking their feet. So you never know. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I can't completely fault Mitch here, but he is. Yeah, it's, a, it's a strange dog in a strange place. Have a little bit of understanding. But again, Kelly, peace and out. She says to Mitch that the dog clearly needs time with him, that this dog is sad and lonely. And so she's going to allow them to have this time together. But she makes an exit in a, a beautiful way. Please. Tomorrow night. My place, 8 o'clock. <laughs> she gives him a nice kiss, and I'm assuming just leaves him with utter blue balls. Bye. Bye. Must. And, As we've said. And just saunters off. It's a good kudos to you. Kudos to you, Lisa. Kudos. Kelly. That, that's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that is really the way to do it. If you're going to do it, you do it. And she does. Like you say, they share a very passionate kiss. There's some touching involved. And they do make another date for tomorrow night at her place mm. where there are no dogs. And That Mitch knows about. That's true. <laughs> he knows a real menagerie over there. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The barking never ends. The night fades on and Mitch is alone in bed. Exhausted. Dejected. Horny. <laughs> mm, there should have been a tent. <laughs> that would have been amazing. That would have been, again, one day when we re remake this with the same scripts, we'll make sure to make these corrections. Mitch makes his way to the laundry room and is on the floor begging Sandy in English to give him a break. I gave you pizza. I gave you rice cakes. You haven't even touched your raisin cookies. Like, what do you want from me? You know, he doesn't know this dog from anybody. This could be a Mexican dog. He doesn't know what language you're speaking. He does give him a nice ear lick to at least say, oh, I'm happy you're with me. I'm happy you're spending time with me. The dog to Mitch, that is. I think this dog knows exactly what Mitch is saying because we're about to find out that there's, there's more to this dog than meets the eye. This dog's intelligence makes itself clear, yes, right <laughs> away, because as Mitch is tired on the floor, Sandy books it out of the door and... <laughs> Again, Mitch is not, he's a single father. He's maybe not the best at decorating. For some reason, he's put a giant surfboard right on the outside of his door. So as Sandy runs out, he d hits the surfboard, well, slams in front of the, the door. The door closes first, right after him. I yes. don't know how that happened, but it does. It does, and the surfboard falls and blocks the door, locking Mitch in the laundry room for the night. Because Hobie, he's off with his friend Timmy. Yeah. And this is before his cell phone, so he doesn't have a phone on him to call anyone. And the dog goes right into Mitch's bed, crawls under the covers, and goes to sleep. He doesn't just crawl under the covers. Hold on. <laughs> it makes sense the dog's going to the bed. A nice, warm spot? Great. He does the most adorable bit that I wish I could teach my dog, but she doesn't 
know anything. He jumps on the bed and he grabs a blanket, a corner of a blanket with his mouth. He does this rollover and the dog is now fully covered by the blanket, except his ass with his tail hanging out. So you can see his tail <laughs> wag. It's the goddamn cutest thing. That is some dog. I'd bring him home. Mitch, though, is left alone crying for help from the laundry room. And he deserves it. Oh, absolutely. Th- this is karma for the way he's treated this dog. Be- and you know what? And Hobie, for that matter, too. <laughs> That's true. And Sandy is quite satisfied with himself because he's now rolled up in a blanket in a nice bed. And we fade to commercial. Right now, order a large Domino's pizza at regular price and get a medium for 30 cents. It's a limited time offer. Call now. Roses are my favorite. Yellow is for friendship. Do you want to be my friend? White is for hope. Do you have any wishes? Pink is for passion. That's my favorite color. Red is for romance. The best of all. Well, this is a phone. If you call 1-900-HOT-HOT, you can decide what color rose you want to give me. Hobie returns from a night with his friends, and he finds the house in shambles. It's basically like a rock group has been there. Let's examine the evidence. Look! All bottles and gallon jugs. I had guests. Who? Guns and Roses? Apparently this dog just did not go to bed. It also partied. Party hard <laughs> because there are torn newspapers. There's ripped open food containers with food all over the place. So he didn't even eat the food. He just decided to make a mess. And there are, I could not count how many Domino's pizza boxes. <laughs> I counted at least two. I want to say there were more than four, Denny. There were, Mitch is either a hoarder or this dog knows how to order pizza. And if so, bring that dog to my house. Now, after the long night of partying, Sandy, he's still sleeping comfortably in Mitch's bed. It's Hobie that has to wake him up, which he does by jumping in the bed with the dog with his fucking shoes on. Maybe there's a reason Mitch treats Hobie the way that he does. Goddamn heathen. Hobie looks around for his dad and he realizes, oh, damn, he must be trapped in the laundry room, removes the surfboard, and we find Mitch. Dad, I'm sure hoping you can explain this. Where is he? He's sleeping on top of the washer and dryer, covered in towels. Well, not even covered. Like, there's only so many. It's mostly under his head. That could not have been a nice night to sleep. Though I will say Glenn probably would have liked it. He wants to sleep on a slab. (laughs) Now, we're over halfway through this episode of Baywatch, Denny, which means we are far past time for a montage. And we get one, but it's the worst montage we've ever had. And I don't even consider this a montage, really. It's like a semi-montage. It, whatever it was, was not great. What we get is, well, what we're supposed to be getting is Nicole enjoying a day at the beach. And we don't get that. She styled this time, again, poorly. For purpose, they're they're accentuating certain things. She's got a blue short sleeve T-shirt and a large denim skirt on. Obviously, bathing suit underneath that, but she's staying mostly covered up. And she can't even walk a step without another different buxom bikini babe walking in front of her. They are out today. It's an infestation. (laughs) I don't know where they've come from. Eddie is nearby, still looking very good himself. He's on patrol, so he's busy walking around the beach, but he makes sure to acknowledge Nicole, wave hi and everything, and he goes back to man his tower. 
Now between shots of these different beauties, Nicole is becoming sadder and sadder. She certainly didn't start the scene in a down mood, but no. by the time she has found her place on the beach, this endless barrage of skinny bitches, I mean, it would get to anybody, she's feeling terrible. And she unfortunately decides to uh, pop a pill in her mouth. Yes, and we don't know what kind of pill. I mean, I've taken pills at the beach. Uh, never a good idea. It certainly isn't good for Nicole here. Her happy expression that we've grown so used to, we've seen it slide and slide throughout this episode, but by the time she's taken the pill, it's gone. There's nothing but, well, that face, that down feeling. Yeah. What's really strange is here we move to slow motion and it took me a minute to figure out why the hell is this one portion, I almost thought it was exploitative, like they were trying to take advantage of the visuals in an unsavory way here, but no, instead what they're trying to do is reflect to us her state of mind, her altered state of mind, mm. that this pill has somehow fucked with how she feels. We move in slow motion because she is making her way to the water. Nicole's been on the beach long enough, it's time to get in the ocean. And she didn't bring an umbrella, so probably pretty hot. Yeah. Or not, we you don't know what the temperature is. <laughs> Whatever it is, she's ready to swim. But it's bad news for Nicole because she's buffeted by wave after wave after wave and she's clearly in real trouble. Yeah, it's, it's rough out there. Yes, but luckily for her, she stayed close enough to Eddie's tower that he sees her in distress and runs directly towards her. Now Shawnee is close behind as we know her tower assignment being right next door. And what makes this worse is she's struggling in the water, but she's like not drowning. No. But a huge crowd gathers anyways. Yes. Basically, anybody with an eye shot, I guess, has just decided to crowd together and watch this rescue. I don't know about for you. The first time I watched it, I blazed by it. But the second time I watched it, really taking notes, is I heard... Oh, I heard it the first time. It was bad. I mean, I mean it's, it's not the worst thing you would ever say, but this is a woman that is in distress and there are these randos on the fucking beach basically slurring her. I, I can't imagine to, in today's age, someone would like say that out loud to someone with an earshot. I mean, people are monsters. I mean, the, the, times change, but assholes remain. You know what I mean? Thank God we live in a time where people are a little more considerate or at the very least more afraid of fucking around and finding out because hell i remember growing up where crappy comments were fine to throw around to strangers to your friends to whomever i mean hell i grew up in a household where you're probably well i know we were a lot rougher to each other mm -hmm. than we should have been just because that's what you do the comments are almost not as bad as the laughs and the giggles they're sort of omnipresent here there were more insults and things. Luckily, I couldn't make them out. And hopefully, Nicole was too out of it to hear any of it herself. But Eddie basically tells everyone, leave. There's something to see. Get away. He stays professional, mm -hmm. which, as we've seen, I would be incapable of in such an emotional circumstance. Check on you later. All right, everybody, break it up. Break it up here. And Nicole is quite distressed. She's out of it. Whatever she took and whatever experience she's going through, she is not stable. Enough so that she needs help just being able to stand. And Eddie, unfortunately, has to pass her off to Shawnee because he's by himself at his tower. Yeah. He can't leave, and it is what it is. Again, luckily, Shawnee isn't a terrible person either. Her and two other random lifeguards just sort of jump on the back of the truck. They usher Nicole away. 
elsewhere on the beach. Mitch continues struggling with his desire to murder the dog that is in his care. Garner is on hand to help. He's given him a call, and apparently he'll be able to watch the dog for a little while. I, I want to say, though, like, Mitch drives up. The dog's sitting in his lap. I was going to say the same thing. How unsafe. And, by the way, Mitch is not wearing his seatbelt. Well, less than the 90s. That's true, but it was already law by then. But the thing is, like, I, I get with, with little dogs, they can be in your lap. This is a big golden retriever. It's this... a full-size adult male golden retriever yeah. in this man's lap. Fully yeah. in his lap. So it just, it, it seemed really odd, but he passes him off to Garner. Garner does not know what he's in for. Let's talk about Garner real quick. Always in a good mood when you first see him. <laughs> he is very hopeful. He's a positive guy. And I got to say, he's looking pretty good in this episode. He's looking pretty tight. And those little shorts of his, <laughs> give us those gams, Garner. Good for you. And we get to see him work that body because as soon as Mitch leaves. He doesn't leave. He speeds off. He could not get away fast enough. He peels away. You can <laughs> hear him just tear off. He, who knows where he's even going? Just a break from the dog. I, I, it would have been better if like, we hear him cackling as he's driving off. We don't get that. Instead, though, what we get is Garner underestimating the dog, assuming, oh, this is a great dog, everything. And as soon as he lets go of the leash, that dog is off like a shot. Sandy, here. And on to our next montage. And this whole scene is just utterly ridiculous. It's, it really is. Oh, it's a welcome relief after our last one. Far more enjoyable. Sandy sends Garner on the goofiest cartoon chase around the beach that we've seen, well, in a long time. And Sandy displays some more of that hyper-intelligence. <laughs> he is able to dodge this police officer over and over and over. Like, we made references to it, the skit. Like, he literally, like, to hide from Garner, he will wrap himself in a blanket like a burrito. Much like he did in Mitch's bed. Yeah. He somehow got into a garbage can, ducked his head underneath that way. That was some good Munsters, Adam's family filming. It was in reverse, you know, as he was going down. Very cute. Yeah, somehow he gets into a hole and hides under a sun hat. And, of course, the little scamp, uh, a woman takes off her bikini cup. She's like laying face down so you don't see their breasts, but she's taking it off because she doesn't want tan lines. He knows, oh, let's let's be a little dick and run off with this thing. He also later runs off with somebody's towel. So this dog is it's just- a maniac. <laughs> God bless this dog, I love Sandy. The montage ends in a very bizarre fashion. I, I, do, I did not understand this, maybe you did. An older man, he looks to be a veteran based on his hat. You know, sometimes they wear those hats. He comes upon Sandy, but Sandy looks passed out, like as if he's totally exhausted from driving Garner crazy. So the old man fully picks this dog up in both of his arms. This dog is basically like a corpse, just kind of <laughs> flop around his arms. And Garner arrives. So all of a sudden, the dog is awake, jumps out of the guy's arms and runs off. This old man, speaking of cackling, laughs directly in Garner's face. So I guess he and the dog had planned some sort of shit for poor Garner. Oh, jeez. And he can't do anything but shoot a look of disgust across the entire beach. I mean, he went through police academy for this. The montage ends, but Garner has apparently learned nothing. The two of them are now in a park somewhere, and he decides to, doesn't just decide, he lets Sandy know. All right, Sandy, I am through messing with you. Now I'm going to give you one minute personal time by the tree over there, but don't you go anywhere. I'm going to let you off your leash to do your business, but then I need you to come right back. Why? Why? 
in the world of Baywatch, are, are dogs a hell of a lot smarter than they are in our world? Or are the people a lot dumber? I think dumber. Probably. As soon as Sandy has an opportunity, this dog, he's off again, runs, and he finds the, this boat with two men on it, and he starts barking like crazy. Who are these men? Oh, uh, wasn't there a newscast about them? They look awful familiar. <laughs> I wonder what they would look like in stripes. <laughs> Now, Garner, he's a trained police officer, so he knows something is amiss when he sees this because as soon as these two men see this dog, wait, man, it can't be. They are on their boat and they speed off as quickly as possible. We hear like a little conversation between them. They say, let's get the heck out of here, man. That freaking dog has a cop with him. That dog looks really familiar. Let's get the hell out of here. And then one of the phrases is something like, let's get, let's get away from that dog. He's with a cop. <laughs> the dog had brought the police. Garner makes a call to Baywatch HQ. He wants to get a hold of Mitch. Give me Mitch at Baywatch headquarters fast. Because when there's something that happens at the beach, you gotta let Mitch know. While Sandy, he's barking his full face off at these people, taking us into our next commercial break. Today, there's a diet pill that can help you lose weight without caffeine to make you nervous. All my life I've been struggling with my weight. With Dexatrim, I finally lost weight and without being hungry. No matter what else you've tried, Dexatrim can help you lose weight. Just one works all day, morning through bedtime, to control your appetite and help you lose weight. Dexatrim did it for me. I lost weight and feel great. Today's caffeine-free Dexatrim. Nothing works harder to help you lose weight. Nothing. Ah, <sighs> this scene. Yes, this scene. Nicole is recovering at Baywatch HQ, and Shawnee somehow thinks this is the right time to lecture her about taking diet pills. Your mouth's dry and you're weak. You say you almost fainted after the first wave hit you. You taking diet pills, Nicole? Yeah. Have you eaten anything today? Just sand and salt water. Hey, this isn't a joke. By taking those diet pills and laying out in the sun with no food in your system, you could have been really seriously hurt. Apparently the pills, pill that she took at the beach was a diet pill. Very fast acting thing. Very, but again, time works strange at the beach. <laughs> and uh, I will say that it put me in the mind of all of the weight loss pills that were available at the time that quickly became illegal. I remember when Fen Fen went off the market, you know, and there were a lot of people, they wanted this outside control, understandably, for this thing that they feel they have no control over. And fuck you, Shawnee. That's not the sort of thing to be putting to Nicole right now. Nicole does not feel the same way. Well, I feel like, you know, this scene is in because I think they're trying to warn people about the dangerous effects of these things. Yeah, there's definitely a very special episode mm -hmm. feel to this part of the episode. Nicole is still very upset. Too upset to pretend to be cheery and nice. And she shuts Shawnee down. She unloads just, just a portion of all the pain, all the suffering, all the hurt that she's harbored from all the mean comments, all the judgments, because she's overweight. This isn't a surprise to her. She doesn't, she's not unaware of what she is. Seriously hurt? I've spent my entire life being seriously hurt. Hurt by jokes at my expense. You heard them out there. I've always hated girls like you. Thin and beautiful. Everything coming so easy. Cheerleading and, and dates. Clothes that fit. I can't tell you how many crash diets I've tried. How many times I've lost 20 pounds. 
called Lord Butt only so many times without. She's also not unaware of what other people think of her. And to be lectured to by a beautiful, thin woman is too much for even Nicole. To her credit, which I've said this a lot this episode, Shawnee does let Nicole vent. Doesn't even say a word. Just lets Nicole let everything out that needs to be let out. And you can really see her empathize with everything that Nicole is saying. And like Shawnee, good actress, like she like a full on tear goes down the side of her cheek. Their acting in this scene, these two women were fantastic. There was a naturalism that we don't always see on this show. And I think part of it helps that the actress playing Nicole isn't a professional actress, that this is sort of the only thing. And she's obviously bringing personal experience to this. And Shawnee's cry face, holy crap. Not just that she's able to produce those real looking tears, but the sort of twisted up nature of your face mm. when you're really feeling upset. Shawnee can feel what she's going through, at least to a certain level. Nicole keeps going long enough that she hits on her main problem which is that she hates herself, who she is, who she's been, who she's become. You know what I realize now, Shawnee? It's not even the girls like you that I hate. It's me. I hate myself. And like we said, it's enough to break Shawnee. She's silently crying as Nicole's bearing her soul. And this builds some goodwill for me for Shawnee. And she immediately steals it. She takes oh. it away. And the producers piss right in poor Nicole's face mm. because <laughs> Shawnee gives a whole... Tries so to relate in a completely unrelated fashion. I can relate to that self-hatred, Nicole. <laughs> and you're right. I was a cheerleader in high school. And I had great clothes and lots of dates. Lots of dates. <laughs> I'm becoming an old man, right? You know me pretty well. And modern buzzwords and all that sort of stuff, I'll, I'll grouse about. But the privilege that Shawnee displays here, the ignorance of the fact that Shawnee's experiences, while they did hurt her, are of a measure quite different than what Nicole has to live with every day. And there's no comment on that. Shawnee's, uh, the acting is good, right? The delivery is good. The character is good. The words just, it's not the right, not the appropriate time. If even they were swapped, like let's say the sequence was different because what Shawnee is doing here is she's trying to tell Nicole that she understands what it's like to be judged based on her physical appearance. And that's absolutely true. We can all appreciate that. And the extremes are there. Nicole is an overweight woman. Shawnee is a very attractive woman. Both of them have absolutely had to face lots of shitty men and shitty women based purely on their physicality. The big difference between these two people is I very much doubt Nicole has benefited from those judgments mm -hmm. and those thoughts and feelings where Shawnee has had lots of benefits as a result of her beauty. And uh, cry me a fucking river, you skinny bitch. <laughs> I, I have never. Here's the thing. I've not struggled with my weight in that sort of way. And I'm in my 40s now. So God bless. Right. Mm -hmm. I have certainly never, ever felt comfortable enough to lecture or, or even to put my feelings on someone else, particularly if they are telling me about their darkness and where it's coming from. For Shawnee to think that her experiences are on the same level is insulting. 
and it, it made me very angry. It was tone deaf quite a bit. But you know what? I never knew if those guys like me for me, for who they thought that I was because of the way I looked. It was as if it didn't matter that I had a heart and feelings and a brain. Didn't matter at all because they never asked me my opinion. And if I gave it anyway, they never listened. And that hurt. They didn't bother to look deeper into me. And I guess for a while I quit looking too. I think it just would have been better if like Shawnee just listened and hugged her. And just like, just, you know, you're crying, you, you feel what she's feeling, you can empathize. And I think that would have been good enough. Yes, absolutely. Or again, like I said, if they swapped it around, let's say Shawnee starts to say, diet pills are dangerous, you have to eat something, blah, da da. Then Nicole states, you don't understand what it's like to be judged on how you look. And then Shawnee goes into the, oh, well, I've always been pretty and I've always had to worry about whether men actually care about who I am, blah, blah, blah. Then Nicole would be able to counter that, hey, hold on there, skinny. You might feel bad about that, but let me tell you what I'm going through. Mm. And then they could have had some coming together. So script, we always have those sorts of issues with this. And ultimately, despite all of this egregious nonsense, Nicole remains a saint as oftentimes overweight or less conventionally attractive people are portrayed, that they have some sort of Amazing personalities. Exactly. Purer soul than the rest of us and that they are able to see the things we can't. Again, insulting and minimizing, but Nicole's far more understanding than I am, or at least in this moment. She is able to find common ground with Shawnee here, not because of Shawnee, but because of Nicole's insight. She started to have feelings for this man, this Eddie, mm -hmm. this guy that she only talked with over the phone. She'd never seen him. She could probably put together like a guess of what he might look like, but she had genuine affection for this person aside from physicality, yeah. right? And she shares that it's wonderful that we both are sharing this person that is so good. He's a really terrific guy. I've never felt so liked, so much acceptance in my entire life. He's a hunk. <laughs> he is. Yeah. But uh, what he's got on the inside, you could never touch. He's my best friend. He's mine too. <laughs> and him, his, him being cute, just being a bonus for everyone. And so there's some cute laughing and they share like an awkward handhold. Mm -hmm. And it was so awkward. It felt so real. They clearly could have maybe rehearse that a couple more times <laughs> but they sniffle and cry together and this is the last we see of nicole mm, bye nicole we'll get back to my feelings on that because for now we have to rush to the marina and mitch and a rando lifeguard they've shown up to meet garner and sandy the dog they are going to head out on a scarab and find those two strange men that just sailed off exactly because in the meanwhile Garner has found out that the actual owner of the boat, the boat that these two men have sped off on, is a woman named Tilly McKay. And she hasn't been seen for days. Oh no, Tilly. Exactly. The scarab quickly finds the suspicious boat and gunfire immediately rings out. There's well, no time for talk. Well, I want to back up a little bit because, you know, when Mitch picks up Garner on the dock, he brings the dock. Come on, Sandy, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. 
He does bring the dog. Why, why would you bring a dog uh, when you're going to after convicts? It, it, it makes no sense in the real world. There is a purpose for it. But as soon like, as that gunfire started, Denny, that's all I could think about. I was worried about the dog. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, not the dog. Of course, no one's going to get shot on yeah. Baywatch that isn't a bad guy. And that's what happens. Well, Garner got shot once, but he lived. Oh, you're right. <laughs> the dog could have been shot. My God, anyone is a victim here. The ponytail criminal, he's the one that starts the gunplay, just firing wildly at the boat. But Garner, he is on it. He is, as we've seen before, he is quick to whip that gun out. He hits the guy. He does. We don't see exactly where, but he's down. The ponytail criminal, he's out. Good shot, Garner. Meanwhile, Mitch swims to the boat. Yes, he jumps right off the scarab while the criminals are distracted and comes around the back of the boat to try to climb up it. But he fails his stealth check and <laughs> the other criminal is ready for him, smashing Mitch right in the stomach with a board. But it basically doesn't phase Mitch at all. He grabs a cushion, like one of those boat cushions, uses it to deflect. And then the guy, we got to learn our boat terminology, because this drove me crazy. The criminal grabbed, as his next weapon, one of those wooden dowels that are in the sides of sailing ships that sort of can come out. They have like a handle, but then they have like a round cylindrical section. I could not Google it. I could not find it out, but we will. It doesn't matter. It's basically a club. <laughs> and he tries to hit Mitch with it. He's barely phased. They continue to spar, but Mitch takes him out with one punch. Of course he does. Because he's Mitch Buchanan. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the scarab gets, gets close enough to the sailboat and the dog jumps on. With Garner. So now just about everyone is here and the dog is barking just like before. We're familiar with that. And Sandy heads right below deck directly to a door. It's at this point that we see Garner check on the unconscious, possibly dead criminals at this point. <laughs> we know that one was shot. Mitch knocked another one out. We have no idea what's happening. And he displays, I must say, the same low level of empathy for that we've seen him before for people that break the law. <laughs> now, here's a man who definitely has a right to remain silent. I'm on your side, Officer Garner. Now, the door that Sandy's pawing at, Mitch is able to get it open. And who emerges? Tilly! Tilly, the kidnapped owner of the boat. And she's so happy to be free, so happy to see her dog. We finally get to learn the dog's real name. Oh, oh, Henry, Henry, I thought you Oh, how did you ever find me? Henry, you ever find me, young man? So that's your name, Henry. <laughs> Quite a bit away from Sandy, but close enough. Yeah. I'm sure he didn't mind. So I guess we're to find out that, you know, when these guys stole this woman's boat and they're sailing off, I guess they ditched the dog in the middle of the ocean, which is where Mitch found them. Exactly. So you would think they probably would have been able to figure out what the hell was going on, but whatever. It doesn't matter because everything is good now. The dog is safe. Tilly is set free. Once they're back at the marina, we see that the criminals are in fact not dead. They're so alive that Garner and another officer are able to lead them away walking in handcuffs. Back to Terminal Island where they can break out next week. Well, like Swiss cheese walls, apparently. <laughs> uh, Tilly, though, she doesn't care. She's just happy that everything's good. Apparently, she doesn't have to file a report or anything. She's just ready to make dinner that she's going to be happy to share with Mitch as a reward. I'm going to fix you a special dinner for saving Henry and me. Well, actually, I would love to stay, but I really can't. You see, i got to get you. Oh, we wouldn't hear of it. We ain't had such a fine-looking young man in our boat in a month of Sundays. <laughs> Maybe some other time. Huh? Whiskey stew. Yeah, um, I don't, I'm not, probably not going to trust anything made on a boat as it is, but uh, Whiskey Stew did not sound good, especially the way she described it. Yeah. And Mitch doesn't seem all that interested, but he and Henry share a look. 
Henry the dog. Mitch is strained and tired. Henry is the bestest crime-fighting dog ever. And we fade to our last commercial break. You never know what the night will bring. A look. First thing out of my mouth was, whoa, mama. A touch. Then we got into a little rubbing and buffing. A kiss. And then I just spun around and planned one on her. A feeling. Our faces were like right there and it was like, I had a stupid attack. A connection. He was digging me. And boy, was he digging me. Love connection. Tonight, right before Arsenio Hall, right here on Fox 43. We end this episode with uh, Eddie and Shawnee making up. Yes, we go back to their weird houseboat. And before Shawnee shows up, Eddie's installing a new no-fishing figurine in George and Gracie's tank. Well, there you go, George. Nice, clean tank. And Gracie, I hope you approve of the new decor. George and Gracie being his fish that he talks to a lot. Lots of animal stuff in this episode. (laughs) And yes, Shawnee shows up ready to apologize for their silly fight. Eddie, I'm really sorry. I hope you can forgive me. I love that she's the one that has to apologize. Well, it... Uh, I, it, I really feel like Eddie was the one that kind of messed... Screwed the... Or, uh, what, what's, the, what's the phrase? Screw the pooch. Screw the pooch. That was one. Though not exactly the phrase you want to use in an episode with a <laughs> dog being featured. But you're right. It is shitty. But it's a man's world. And especially we see that in Baywatch that the women's agency is lacking at times. And here... Well, if we look back... Shawnee sort of was responsible for the initial argument and pushing it into something. She was intimating that they had, not intimating, she said outright, we have relationship troubles because of this quiz. I'm not saying that Eddie's blameless by any means. He's the one that allowed all of this to get worse. But Shawnee apologizing, I give her credit. And she's apologizing specifically, though, not for the fight, but for what they fought over, which is... Her controlling their social life. Exactly. That he feels that Shawnee monopolizes all of their free time, that they're always her plans, not what he wants to do. Well, in this case, her peace offering should appeal to him greatly. It's Dodger tickets right behind the dugout tonight. You gotta be kidding me. Shawnee, these these things are impossible to get. She must love this man because she's willing to sit through a goddamn baseball game. Question. Please. I don't know if you know this because it's sports related. Yes. The Dodgers, what state are they from? LA. LA oh, they are? Of course, LA is not a state, but you're thinking of the old story. They were originally known as the Brooklyn Bridegrooms in 1890, and then they became the Brooklyn Dodgers, okay. which you're probably most familiar with from Bugs Bunny cartoons. Probably. Exactly. And then they ended up moving to LA. Later on, at some point, who the fuck cares? I just thought it would have been weird if it Dodgers thing and it's like in a completely like not their team. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Or maybe it included plane tickets to New York. But <laughs> no, in this case, they're just going heading over to LA to see an incredibly boring baseball game. And this excites Eddie. Again, didn't apologize or anything like that. Instead, he just embraces. Like again, there's a lot of naturalism in this episode. He goes to kiss her and he catches her under the nose in that area between the lip and your nose, you know? And then they start making out as they do. They're a very physical couple and they're nuzzling and kissing and cooing and they make a very weird reference I don't understand at the end. Shawnee does. It's clear that they're talking about banging both before and after the game, but I don't really get how Shawnee puts it. Maybe all this Baywatch has rotted my brain. I don't know. Here, see if you can explain it to me. Would you mind if we got there a little late? No. 
Would you mind if we left a little early? Why would we leave a little early if we're gonna get there late? For the same reason that we're going to get there late. Yeah, that confounded me too. I get it now. This was me listening the wrong way. He says, would you mind if we get there a little late? Meaning, let's bang beforehand and make it to the game. And she says, well, would you mind if we left a little early from the game so they could go home and bang again? Oh, okay. I, I, I don't understand how I missed that over and over again, but now I get it. I couldn't understand it, so... Well, another thing I know you won't understand is how Eddie closes out the episode officially. Say goodnight, Gracie. With a classic George Burns quote, one Burns would say at the end of every single show he did with his wife, goodnight, Gracie. Say goodnight, Gracie. (laughs) Ever heard goodnight, Gracie before? Well, I guess it doesn't matter because we fade to the end of our episode. He did look at the fish when he said that. He did, (laughs) but... That is the end of our episode. Baywatch season two, episode eight, thin or die, and god damn it, this episode. What the fuck happened to Nicole? Where did she go? Why must she be reduced to a tool in these assholes love games? Really, we don't even get a mention of her in the final scene, nothing. It's basically like she has evaporated from the world and boo, I say, justice for Nicole, I say. Hopefully, what happened is this, that She was bolstered a little bit by Eddie, but also disgusted by what these hot, skinny people get up to. And she's like, fuck this beach. She joins a nice gym. She meets a trainer there and they have a lovely love affair. I have a different take. I think she hooked up with Derek. Oh. Because we don't see him again. I think they got together. And I think the reason why he was smiling at Eddie is because he was into her. (gasps) Oh, I like that much better for Nicole. Mm -hmm. You know what? Nicole and Derek forever. (laughs) I'm down with that. Danny, what did you think of the episode? I did not enjoy this episode that much. Okay. Um, It's a difficult topic to talk about, especially like back then. Like, you know, it's a serious issue. Wait, and I think they were trying to, you know, be a very special episode with dangers of, like, uh, diet pills, although it wasn't even a focus of the episode, so I don't even know. It was weird, right? Yeah, it's just... And the whole thing just felt, felt, like, very rushed. But, you know, that's Baywatch, I guess. I'm kind of... I'm rambling right now. And then we have, like, the whole, like, weird dog thing, which was, I guess, trying to offset the seriousness of the A-plot. We've definitely seen that before, where two completely separated things on opposite ends of the spectrum in regards to seriousness are kind of slammed together. Yeah. It's hard for me not to think, okay, so we pick our episodes to watch by rolling a cage and two separate balls come out. (laughs) It's hard for me not to think that that's kind of what Baywatch is doing or like the manatees with with Family Guy that there are two, there's a big bucket of stuff and you shove your hand and grab one. Hmm. Missing dog criminals. You put your hand and grab another one. Huh. Diet pills. (laughs) All right. Here's our episode. Hopefully we just get used to that. The fact that the two things aren't going to come together or we cultivate our ability to be able to tie them together. Me, I could be goddamn to figure out how (laughs) how to put these two together. They simply do not work. Yeah. I let's talk about the positives for a moment. Okay. Okay. Very easy to agree on these things and for the entire world to agree. A dog makes everything better. 
you know, especially a cute dog, especially a cute old dog. Apparently a hyper-intelligent dog as well. Well, you'll see the people at Baywatch. Maybe it doesn't take <laughs> that much to be hyper-intelligent compared to some of these others. The dog was good. His dog acting was really good. Again, that bit he did in the bed with covering himself up. I'd give you all the money in the world to teach <laughs> my dog that. I, I would watch it all day. It's too cute. Him making a fool of Garner. I loved it. I hate seeing Garner treated poorly, but he was a good sport. Um, I did like Mitch getting his comeuppance. That was really good. I loved Kelly when she uh, said, nope, I'm leaving. Peace. You can get it tomorrow. Um, After I like fondle you a bit, get a little little fluffy and then peace out. Well, you know, you got to remember me somehow. <laughs> um, let's see. So about that story, like, ah, the old lady was kind of cute at the end. But she's barely there. Kelly was fun. I like seeing Lisa Renna. I will not watch Housewives, but I like seeing her. And was she also in a soap opera? Yes. Okay. Yes. I don't remember which one, but she was. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They're all the same. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> don't tell that to my mother. Mm. What else was good? That storyline done. Nicole herself. Melinda Reimer. I want to know what happened to her. I would love to know what prompted her to get cast on this episode. I want to know if she tried to pursue acting afterwards or, or whatever. I thought she was very authentic. Of course she was because she's an overweight woman. That's not something you can just pretend to be unless you're in shallow howl or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was great and I, I really liked her. And something that's really interesting to me is that I love a lot of these one-off characters. But that's the thing with these ancillary characters, you know, they are just serve for one purpose, and then you never see them again. Yeah. They don't get a proper conclusion. That's a good point also is that it's concentrated. Maybe if I saw this spread across multiple seasons that it might be tiresome. But then again, someone like Nicole is not someone that is represented on Baywatch mm -mm. at all. Nope. I mean, hell, most of us aren't represented by the people of Baywatch. There's certainly no gay people there. Well, there is one undercover. Well, true. No gay uh, characters <laughs> that will say, though we will craft some of them to be homos as we go forward. What else was good? Eddie's earnestness, Shawnee's acting, Eric Alaniac was really, really good in this episode. Uh, it was nice to see the eyebrows separated. Uh, Always a positive. Yeah, and that's sort of the end yeah. of the positives. Yeah, not not a great episode, to be honest. It, you it, can skip it. I wouldn't say it, it was the worst of the ones that we've even watched here. There's probably one or two that are less entertaining, at least for the fact that they aren't put together as well. The cast isn't as strong, but I don't know. I don't. I think this one is definitely worth watching to give you a window into 1991 about how, because that, while it was a number of decades ago, it truly wasn't that long ago mm -hmm. in regards to how we do things. And bad people still have it bad. You know, it's not like the world has changed in regards to people's perceptions of weight or appearance. It's just that people address it in a different manner. You know, you don't necessarily see, you can't walk into a store and buy a big Johnson t-shirt uh, that makes some sort of pun about fucking large ladies, you know, but I'm sure you could find it online. And I'm sure there are areas where you could still revel in that sort of... Is that what those shirts were about? I thought they were about, like, big boobs. Big Johnson you thought was about big boobs, Denny? I thought so. What is Johnson another word for? Dick. So what would Big Johnson be about? I thought there was, like, a, uh, a, like a surf shop t-shirt brand... And it was like this little skinny guy, and he's always around these girls with like these ginormous breasts. Yes, because 
the whole joke is he has a large penis. Ah. And that's why the women are so interested in him. Mm. Oh, God bless you, Danny. Maybe you belong on Baywatch. <laughs> Fuck you. So, like I'm saying, yeah, you could skip it. You could skip any episode of Baywatch. I mean, like, there's certainly no... I mean, Eddie looks good, but even if you're a teenager, there's not much to spank to in this yeah. episode. Unless if you're a straight guy. And even then, in this episode, you'd be pausing... Uh, in between certain shots. The greatest sin, though, of this episode is the fact that there are no hot extras. <laughs> or hot male extras. I would not say that it's the greatest sin, but uh, in the eyes of the Lord, all sin is the same, really. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it did suck that there were no hot guys other than Eddie. Eddie. But he is looks good. I'm always going to be happy to see Eddie. The worst part was the treatment of Nicole and the storyline itself. The fact that they didn't even give a button to the end, that the last thing we see of Nicole is her holding hands with Shawnee. Again, a skinny bitch that just told her she has it just as bad as she does. And that uh, they both like Eddie, but, you know, Shawnee's going to go home with him. Right. Which, <sighs> I hope that Nicole found what she deserves. She did with Derek. <laughs> he established this. Well, let's hope Derek treats her right. You know, <laughs> that he loves big, beautiful women. And you know what? Let's just cut this shit off at here because we really don't have anything else to say. I would say, if you're watching every episode of Baywatch, watch this one. If you're interested in our changing culture and how we treat different people, might be a good reflection, but might also be a bit of a smack in the face. Mm. And Denny, what about you? Oh, God, I would rate this episode probably, I don't know, a five. Five what? What was cohesive factor of this episode? Um, rings to your answering service. Diet pills. Five diet pills out of ten. Well, my goodness. That's sort of a, I don't that's know. That's really dangerous. Don't do that. <laughs> yes, please don't take five pills unless... You know what you're doing and directed by your doctor. But we are not professionals here at Hot Red Shorts. We're just Josh and Denny. And we are now going to pick our next episode of Baywatch to Watch. And how do we do that, Denny? With the magic bingo ball cage. Very good. And let's give her a spin. Come on. There we go. We have Season 9, Episode 4. Season 9, Episode 4. Dolphin Quest. Dolphin Quest. Dolphin Quest. Cody accompanies Alex on a vacation to Hawaii, where she wants to visit her autistic 10-year-old nephew, Timmy, to swim with the dolphin in the local lagoon. Cody spends quality time with Lonnie's sister, Callie, a local Hawaiian lifeguard. Who is Alex? I believe we've met her once before, but in brief. In The Swimmer, we met her real briefly. She's one of the chief types. She stays in the office most okay. of the time. Well, we go from one delicate topic... To another. Exactly. But we are kind men with big hearts, and we are not here to hurt anybody. We're here just to talk about Baywatch and look for some hot guys. And luckily, this next episode's got Cody, so mm. at least we've got that covered. That's been this episode of Hot Red Shorts, a gay watch of Baywatch. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hot Red Shorts. You can visit our website at hotredshorts.com. And please do. I post cards from each of the episodes that we watch, including our stud watch. And that's it. Please listen to us. 
Yes, thank you for listening. Please comment or complain or fuck off. I don't know. <laughs> Give us some feedback. It would be nice. We do appreciate, well, at least people listening to us gab. I've been Josh. <laughs> I'm Denny. And thanks for listening. <laughs>